0: Alright everyone, welcome in. You're listening to Boston Roods, Radio DePaul Sports, student voice of your DePaul Blue Demons. My name is Basta Hadwala, here with Rudy Hodgson, as always, and we have a special guest, Justin Staley, one of the, the best professors at DePaul University, a highlight of the university. Uh, Staley, how you doing?
1: I'm I'm doing pretty well. Thanks for thanks for having me.
0: Rudy,
2: how about you? I'm just glad we finally brought on Staley. (laughs) I'm really excited for this conversation. Easily my favorite professor at DePaul. um, And one of my favorite Giants fans. I'm going to put that out there before we start talking about what I know we're going to talk about being a Dodger fan.
1: You mean you have more than one Giants fan friend?
2: Yeah, but I hate the rest of them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So right now, I mean, we don't do – you know, we're all audio, so uh, you know the usual saying, bad radio. But uh, I'm just going to paint you a picture right now. Uh, three people on Zoom. I'm wearing my Anthony Rizzo shirt. We've got Rudy wearing a Dodgers hat and Staley wearing a Giants hat. So a really good combo here. And I just want to ask the two of you, the L.A.-San Francisco rivalry, how do you all feel about that? How does it feel being face-to-face over Zoom? <laughs> With somebody in the opposition right now, Staley, you're the guest. Please go ahead.
1: Uh, you know, I I I I like it. I like a lot of the the friendly banter. Um, obviously, that that changes. Um, I've never been to Dodgers Stadium with my Giants gear on. And I probably never will. Um, but I've been to plenty of Dodgers uh, games, uh, Giants home games against the Dodgers, and and they're always fun. And most people are good people about it but uh yeah and I like I like seeing Rudy here even if he is wearing a Dodgers hat uh
2: I I agree especially where you said friendly I mean I've I've never met uh a Giants fan that is highly disrespectful to me and stuff I I can't say uh enough nice things about the Giants fans that I interact with and the games that I've been to I've been to AT&T Park wearing my Dodgers stuff and I still think that being a Dodger fan at Wrigley is more (laughs) a little more scary than AT&T, but um, yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I can't say the same for Dodger stadium. I cannot imagine being a visitor fan at Dodger stadium, especially in the playoffs. We can be um, pretty terrible fans. So I I, I tell it to a boss all the time. I'm an honest LA fan. I'll, I'll tell you that we suck because our fans are really bad, but, Every every team has their bad fans and you know, I, I just enjoy the conversation and I I don't really think the Dodger Giants rivalry recently has been super hectic because of like we've never necessarily had like championship caliber teams like playing against each other and stuff. Like when you guys had your run from two thousand to two thousand fourteen, we weren't particularly super strong and the runs where we had from two thousand sixteen to two thousand well now. <laughs> um, you guys have had pretty really good teams but nothing like I wouldn't say like World Series favorites I think that's fair to say
1: yeah I feel like largely for the last maybe 20 years maybe a little bit less than that I mean it's it's more of the other the other crappy team play, trying to play spoiler to the good team right. whether, whether the Dodgers are good or the Giants are good and that's and that's fun too
2: it's really fun. It's fun. It was fun in 2010 when, you know, we would just come out and just ruin a sweep or something or just, you know, just not let you guys sweep us at Dodger Stadium. That was always fun. But, yeah, I mean, I think we share a common evil with a boss being here, being the Cubs fan. Sure. So maybe at some point we join forces and just fight, fight the guy with the glasses on.
1: Yeah, oh, man. man. Cubs fans at Wrigley can be pretty – uh. Oh.
0: Oh, I mean, I Cubs fans suck. (laughs) I don't think there's any fan base except you know outside of Boston that's as mean as Cubs fans. I I think I hate Cubs fans. I mean, I feel ashamed sometimes to be a Cubs fan because of how bad this fan base is. I mean, there was like what? There was like a list, uh, Bleacher Report or someone uh, last month. Cubs fans are the second most loyal. In the league, come on, man. <laughs> you think those like a million people were Cubs fans uh, before 2016? Let's be real. It's All funny you say that. Uh, when I went to
2: the Dodger Cubs series uh, last year, um, I had my Jackie Robinson jersey on. And I said, I told, I remember telling uh, my girlfriend at the time, I was like, if anyone throws something at me, If anyone disrespects me, just know that they're disrespecting Jackie Robinson. They they better not do anything to me. I get an exception card because I'm wearing a Jackie jersey. If it's a Kershaw or a Bellinger, like, all right, I'll take a little bit of flack. But do not disrespect Jackie Robinson. That's
1: that's a good uh, kind of cover for you, yeah.
2: It helped, but it it didn't help the the seven-year-old in front of me when Baez hit a three-run shot when they turned around, he started like laughing in my face and pointing his finger. And then his dad joined. And I'm like, "What are you doing, man? <laughs> Tell your kid to
0: shut up." <laughs> oh, it's <was> horrible. <laughs> hey, man. I mean, I think that's just Cubs fans. Not, not the best. Not the best.
2: Well, like I said, every every fan base has you know horrible fans, but. I mean, I think because we're larger markets, we get a lot of the focus. But I think we can all agree that Boston is just the worst. I think Boston is horrible. I cannot say it enough. <laughs> that's not L.A. That's just a human being, a sports fan, saying that Boston's terrible. Yeah.
1: No, no one should root for Boston in
0: anything. <laughs> I mean, if if you want anything more on Boston, I mean, I feel like today uh, – those loans that are going the PPP loans, um, Brady got like over a million or something, which is like, wait, hold up, hold up, hold up. <laughs> we didn't need another reason to hate Boston. <laughs> There's already so many. <laughs> and now this. So, yeah, I mean, I, I can't agree with you anymore. Boston is, we talk about it almost every time we're, we're doing this, Rudy. Our, our, our hatred of Boston is just unifying. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know a whole lot of Boston fans. I
2: know Robinson is a big Boston fan, but even they agree that Boston is horrible. I, I respect fans like that, that you know kind of can look in the mirror and accept that their fan base is horrible. Because if you're in denial and think your fan base is perfect, then you're part of the problem. <laughs> you're, you're probably one of those fans too.
1: <laughs> yeah, every, every time I teach uh, 284 uh, sports writing class, there's always at least one Boston fan, even if they're not even from Boston. Somebody's always like, oh, I'm a Patriots slash Red Sox fan. I just, I just want to start booing them in class.
2: <laughs> it's funny you mentioned that because my first day in class, I walk in with my blue Dodger cap and I have no knowledge of who Staley is. I don't know what the class is going to be about. And he looks at me and he has a Giants tie, or he had the orange and black tie. And he was like, Dodger fan. And I was like, God damn it. I'm already off to a bad start in this class. But it ended up being fun. We ended up going to the Cubs game. That was really fun. So uh, it was it was easily my favorite class. And that's where I met all my radio friends, really. See, we're, we build bridges in that class. <laughs> Very true.
1: Even between Giants and Dodgers fans.
2: And burn them when the series comes along. <laughs> burn those same bridges when we play against each other.
1: <laughs> yeah, I only, I only break that tie out uh, well, on opening day and when the Giants play the Dodgers. Yep. <laughs> so you caught me on one hey. of those days.
0: I mean baseball's a sport or ritual, so I think you have to follow something like that. You gotta follow something like that. I'm I'm not that good at the the rituals and everything. It makes sense that my team always sucks. <laughs> I think I can take blame for that, but um baseball's just like that. So anyways, I wanna move forward a little bit into this MLB return. I think Rudy, we've talked about it before, but uh we finally have started seeing our like first taste of these returns at least with like mlb and, and nba especially with like nba players reporting to uh to uh orlando we saw that the staley did you see the picture of like the the dinner they were given like it looked like it was like one of those trays you get when you're on an, on an airplane No, everything no. was in like those airplane like cartons and everything well like they the it, it's kind of it's really funny seeing stuff like that. Even with MLB, there was like a picture today. Uh, they did like another uh, scrimmage, I guess, you want to call it, at Wrigley, and uh, Rizzo was sitting in the bleachers alone watching it. And it's just this picture of empty stands, and you see Rizzo in the in the distance. Uh, really surreal. Really surreal. E- even the other day, there was like a video. Um, It was like David Ross shouting to Schwarber to score from first. No noise, nobody there. I think there were a couple media people there, but like, man, it it is really odd seeing this stuff really odd middle of July.
1: Yeah. I remember um, goodness back. It was, it was a a while ago after the uh, murder of Freddie Gray in, in Baltimore, there were protests uh, that got a little, uh, got a little violent um, in Baltimore. And so they played, I think it was an Orioles-Sox game, and they played it with no uh, no fans in the stands. And it was, they showed highlights of it, and it was just the eeriest thing I had ever seen. And it's just crazy to me that this is now going to be the norm, right? I mean, even seeing pictures of players working out with masks doesn't even shock me. Like, that is the new norm. I'm so used to it, and it's so, it's 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 just, Hard to fathom that change in the last three months that oh, seeing baseball players work out in masks is is now just pretty normal, just standard stuff
2: do you remember when uh I think it was a Yankee game they were playing the twins, I think, and the game went on a delay uh, because of weather, and the game didn't resume until like one or two in the morning and and there were highlights of the game, and there were only like maybe like 10 to 20 fans scattered around the stadium and I remember watching it because someone got their first home run there was there's this ball hawk guy that just collects balls uh, at these MLB games and he was vlogging the game at one in the morning and it's just so crazy to think that you know it wasn't too long ago that we were all packed inside Wrigley watching a game and now like you said it's the new Norman watching these guys work out in masks and stuff and it's it's kind of the turning of tides, so to speak, because when we are allowed back in stadiums, uh, and this is kind of transitioning to a question, Staley, how are you going to kind of see that change and, you know, only letting in 20 to 30% capacity? How is that gonna change your perspective of even going to the game in the first place?
1: I'm not I'm not leaving my house until there's a vaccine, man. <laughs> I, mean, I, I see, like, movies, TV shows, And one of the first thoughts I have when there's like a concert or people gathering, I'm like, they're not social distancing. And it gives me truly like gives me anxiety. I I mean, honestly, I, I, I would not be first, second or even 500th in line to, to, to go back to a ballpark or or anything anytime soon. Um, Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's, Kind of out of question for me at this point but but yeah I mean it'll be interesting to see I mean how do we how do we transition back to that how long is it going to take for us to kind of overcome this even if it's just kind of an emotional block even if we are vaccinated you know what I mean like how does this change our interactions with people how does it change sporting events it's kind of fascinating to think about but also kind of harrowing I guess (laughs)
0: Yeah and I know like I feel like uh like interacting with people at a at a sports game there's all that camaraderie and everything but uh even like the other week for the first time in in a long time I like saw some of my my college friends just like in a park and like I forgot how to like interact with people <laughs> when you're in a group like that and like there wasn't really that much to be said cuz it's like how much what's going on right now in our lives So I feel like it's going to be really odd the first time, maybe if it's like in like, I don't know, like August of 2021 or whatever, whenever we can actually get into a ballpark safely. It's going to be so strange. Uh, I think the only time I've seen something similar and Rudy, you kind of talked about with like the delays Uh, last year in April, there was like it was a Cubs Pirates, I think and uh early april and it's there was like a rain delay everybody from the bleachers had to leave there was only like after they restarted like an hour and 20 minutes later only like three people in the bleachers there was enough people to fill up like the first few few rows of the infield uh i feel it's going to look even weirder than that this year because i don't know i think like in chicago i don't know if they're actually going to let anybody in i don't think they should yeah, so, like, it's, it's going to be really strange. But, you know, it, it's going to be kind of cool, uh, even with, like, the NBA, where you're going to be able to hear so much more. Yeah. And, and that's what was so beautiful about that, that game against the Pirates, because it's, like, 11 o'clock, 11.30. Um, you can hear them talking. You hear the bat hitting the ball way clearer than you ever would before. Uh, and I kind of like that. I kind of like that. It's, not, it's like when they do, like, the mic up. Uh, I love hearing that kind of stuff because it's like I'd rather hear that than hear some dumb idiot at Wrigley who's not there to actually watch the game, just like <laughs> screaming about random stuff. So, so I'm kind of looking forward to it. I think it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I hope they can actually like play the full sixty games uh, without having an outbreak. <laughs> but uh, but let's see. <laughs> yeah,
1: I think that'll be one of the interesting things too. Is will they will they be able to finish the season
2: how do you how do you think the uh, or what's your opinion on how the MLB's handled everything as far as covid concerns and even the player negotiations it just seems like a mess for Manfred and just digging his own grave
1: yeah let, let's just say i don't think they've they've handled it well i mean it, they're in a position where they want to recoup as much money as possible and and i think and i think they are probably kind of banking on the fact that we all kind of want this return to normalcy. Um, and, and that's understandable in their business and that's fine. Right. I mean, businesses want to make money. Right. But, um, but no, I think, I think they've screwed it up. I think they've, they've mishandled things. I think it's, it's kind of this convoluted, uh, idea of, you know, the rule changes and the the schedule changes. And I, I mean, they're logical in in a lot of ways but I just I, I just I don't know how they're going to work out and I think probably you're going to see probably some more players drop out I mean once I mean look at the testing debacle in the last week I mean how many teams had to cancel workouts because they haven't even gotten the the test results back that they were supposed to get back like the next day What are they supposed to be tested every other day or something and at least like five teams had to cancel workouts because they because they weren't sure it's just it's just there's so much to consider and so much to handle I mean I don't I don't necessarily I don't admire their the position they're in but sure they could have handled it probably a little bit better
2: so worst case scenario you're halfway through the season it's already a shortened season and, uh, you know, there's no vaccine for it yet, and then now you have another outbreak amongst the players in the middle of the season. If you're Manfred, how do you handle something like that and, and kind of kind of like damage control at that point, right?
1: Damage control as in, I'd say, shut it down. Really? Yeah, I think so. I mean, if, you, right. uh, if you have an outbreak in an organization or, or, or amongst, you know, teams that played one another, I mean – yeah, I think I think you gotta you gotta shut it down. Well, you heard of your- right. I mean, I'm I'm looking forward to baseball being back just as much as anybody, but I'm also a concern about it. I'm concerned about the the players and their well being, and you know the the, the well being of their their family and their wives and their you know their pregnant wives and their young children and their, their older parents. Right. I mean, this is it's, it's you know you, you kind of step back and think that oh it's well it's kind of about more than just us watching baseball right and kind of getting back that normalcy uh but yeah my guess is the responsible thing to do if 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 there's any kind of outbreak or anything like that i'd I'd say they probably should shut it down
0: yeah you know it's gonna be it's it's such a i mean like i feel like the nba has the advantage since you're in a bubble and in theory there shouldn't be a lot of people coming in and out. Like I know if the players leave, I don't think they can come back. Um, or if they do come back, they have to quarantine for 50, for 15 days at least. Uh, but like, I feel like the transportation is going to be such an issue f- for baseball because I, I feel like you're going to end up having contact with, with people sooner or later, regardless, if you have to travel. Uh, and like I was looking at the Cubs schedule, it's like, you know, they have like two or three series at home and then you go on the road for two or three series, then you're back for another two to three series. So it's not as much play one series, go out of town, come back, play another series and like all of that. And like, I mean, I feel like they've done a good job of at least cutting that transport down a little bit more. But uh, I really wish they had like considered doing like hubs. Uh, Like I know hockey has some plan like that. They're doing it via hubs. It's like one city would house like five or six teams maybe I mean I feel like I feel like you could do that in Chicago with two baseball fields and then I mean even there's like out in Rosemont there's an arena there too it's like yeah I think you could fit like seven eight teams playing just in Chicago Uh, so it's like it's kind of like it's it's concerning Um, I don't know know how that's going to go for them I think you also have to consider though that
2: these leagues that you just mentioned are all about to end heading into the postseason if not already in the postseason so you know you also have to deal with like television rights and all that and um the fact that you're going to be pumping out all these games because like I was just thinking while you were explaining like why don't they just have all the games at the field of the dream site where they're, where they're doing the the game <laughs> you can't have 31 teams playing 60 games you know continuously it's just not going to work so I really thought they just weren't going to have a season or maybe just do like a play in tournament or something like that, or like a round Robin, like the little league world series, Uh, foreshadowing. (laughs) But, um, I don't know. It just, it just really doesn't seem logical to have a season, but if the players are down for it and if the owners as greedy as they are, think they could work something out. I mean, obviously nothing's going to stop the MLB from trying to make money. Um, and I think that's pretty obvious with how everything's been going on. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of factors. It's really it's really crazy because it was literally at the beginning of the season, right, right, right around spring training, that everything started
0: to get really bad. And, you know, the worst thing for me right now is that as a Cubs fan, uh, opening day is going to be on – their first game against Milwaukee is going to be on ESPN. And after that, I have Xfinity, so no marquee on Xfinity yet. So uh, – <laughs> I guess I'm just listening to the radio now, I don't know.
2: <laughs> are the giants are the giants still on, on like Fox Bay Area or whatever, or do they have like their own streaming service?
1: They're on Comcast, CSN, CSN Bay Area, I believe. And I think they'll do they usually do Friday night games on like their local NBC, I think.
2: It'd be nice to have an organization that
0: yeah. wants fans to watch their games <laughs> unlike our Dodgers and our Cubs. <laughs> Yeah, man, just got to make everything else different. (laughs) They had to leave NBC Sports and then WGN like that. Now I have to (laughs) pay to watch Cubs games, but um, I I don't want to (laughs) pay.
1: You got to squeeze every little bit you can from the consumer.
0: (laughs) And I don't even live in a household that's pro Cubs. So (laughs) my my parents aren't paying for marquee. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that that's for sure they're not paying for marquee so uh I don't know what I'm gonna do for baseball this year <laughs> well Staley
2: be, you being a baseball writer and obviously teaching uh baseball writing class or sports writing classes at the um how do you see people kind of documenting what a crazy year this has been and, and how does that affect just kind of like the history of baseball because this is something that people are going to be looking at for a while uh, especially given just how crazy and everything has been. Um, so kind of, what do you think, what do you see coming as far as publications or maybe, you know, maybe media like a 30 for 30, just stuff that you're looking forward to?
1: Yeah. I, I, I mean, I, I don't know. I think, I think one of the things that, that sticks out to me about this, this year is kind of this, the, 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 the recognition that sports do not exist in a vacuum. Um, this is you know, you know I beat you guys over the head with it in my in my sports writing and the baseball class right um, is this idea that that that, that the, the sports that we kind of view as kind of this respite from the rest of our lives are really kind of um, you know politics, social movements, idea, issues of gender and um, sex and race and these are inextricable from these sports and I think. Um, I think one of the things that you will we'll probably see is this realization by a lot of people that these that you can't remove politics and, and race and um, and all these other issues uh, from sports. And I think, I, I mean, you can't even remove it from a from a, a frigging pandemic, right? I mean, as my man George Orwell said, everything is political. And I think people are. I think that's one of the things I'm looking forward to, I guess, is this kind of realization is just how much overlap there is, how there's nothing safe from these political social economic discussions that we, we should be having. Um, and that sports is just kind of the, the one of these new arenas for that, for a lot of people. And, that, and that's a good thing, right? Uh, because sports kind of reflect these, uh, these cultural issues that we're discussing or should be discussing. And I think, uh, it's kind of putting that in the forefront. Um, So I look forward to a lot of good writing. I'm not exactly looking forward to the, um, to the kind of cliched quarantine journal writing. uh, Exactly. But, uh, but I mean, it's like, you know, you got to put it in a historical context and like it or not, this is the historical context that we find ourselves in. So yeah, I, I think it's a good time for art and, and writing to be produced. Um, if there's uh, you know one of a one one or several good things that can come from that, I think that's one of them is uh, is uh, the kind of inner reflection and introspection and realizations that we can have
2: uh, through times like these. That's really well said. I I agree wholeheartedly. Abbas, looks like you have something to say. Go ahead.
0: Yeah, and honestly, I feel like this is, like, I I finally really understand what, I guess, what you meant and what people mean by, like, sports don't exist in a vacuum. Um, I think, like, over the last few months, I've heard so many people say it, too. Like, I I think Fred Mitchell said it to me. Um, Even Tim Stebbins said it to me, too, kind of, that it's like, you know, we expect sports to never be affected by anything. Uh, In in this way, like we just kind of lose it for a while. Uh, And what makes it even more annoying is that so many other countries in the world have been already doing this, playing sports for months uh, into a pandemic. I mean, we've had uh, what in Korea, they've been playing baseball for more than a month, more than two months now. Uh, And I I don't think they've stopped. So uh, it's kind of sad it's it's sad just in in terms of like we as a country suck at at this. <laughs> and uh it's 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 like I mean even soccer is back too. So everything's back. It's just just American sports that are, are having trouble. Uh you, you blame that on everybody who uh thinks science is political. Um But yeah, it's it's a shame. And actually, you know, it's actually like it's nice to think about it that way that it's like, hey, like if you want to watch sports again, there's a lot of action you can take and it's not really a hard action. Just wear a fricking mask and, and don't be dumb. You don't need to. I, I, I really, I don't understand like the, the sitting indoors right now uh, at, at a restaurant. I, I, you can get your food and eat in a park or something if you want to, if you're in the suburbs, you can eat in your car. <laughs> like there's so many different ways you can do it. I don't, I don't see the need to sit indoors. To sit indoors or or to sit even on like a patio, so much contact. But it's like, yeah, we want sports back. Let let's start uh, being responsible. I kind of want to see a World Series this year.
1: Yeah, I, I, I think it's kind of this immature, like adolescent idea of 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 freedom in a lot of ways, right? Uh, but also, even just going back to that idea, like it's 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 kind of an immature idea of of sports being being separate and and look i get it you know i mean we do turn on sports to uh to, to kind of escape from our lives and uh kick back with friends and whatnot but but to pretend that you know the, the issues will not or have not uh, affected them is is just um it's just kind of a little a little myopic and i think what we're seeing is kind of this idea of of short-term kind of adolescent views of how things are like oh it's my freedom i don't have to wear a mask and or you know let's go back to normal let's start the baseball season and it's like well wait like (laughs) that we we really need to think these things through and talk to experts and 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 really figure them out not just kind of fall back on this idea of well it should be this way so let's make it this way
2: yeah, it's 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 crazy times to say the least, but I mean um I just don't really appreciate that because of the pandemic, we're not focusing enough on uh, Carlos Correa and Alex bregman uh, being horrible people, and what they did was inexcusable, so
1: <laughs>
2: a little bit of the focus needs to go back to to that as well so on in all seriousness, I mean it's kind of crazy that um these athletes are coming out and and being voices of reason as opposed to the people in charge. And I, I, as much as I, I I love to see outspoken players, especially within the MLS and how, how they did the whole black lives matter uh, uh, movement before the, the, the commencement of their preseason games, so to speak. um, It's kind of awesome to see, but at the same time, pretty disappointing that, you know, these athletes that we see as, you know, superhumans, millionaires, and athletes, and, you know, freaks in nature, um, being more reasonable in society than uh, people in politics and people in charge, so um, I think it was hilarious, I'm not sure if you guys saw this, but uh, Mike Trout's mom uh, put on her yeah. on her Twitter, she goes, if, if my son, Mike Trout, <laughs> can wear a mask and run around these bases, then you could wear it if you want to go out, and I just think it's so, it's so funny to see, but um, yeah, it's been it's been interesting, and, and I'm kind of excited to see how this leads into athletes kind of taking that next step and in, in being those voices of reason that I, I mentioned before earlier.
1: If I could take a moment and get, like, really cynical, though, I think one of the things this has also revealed, I mean, look who's getting – I mean, we have an incredible testing shortage throughout much of the country, but yet we can – take the time and the money to test baseball players every other day, get their tests back in 24 hours, or at least they're supposed to get back. Right. Uh, and I think it's kind of re- it's kind of revealing these kind of th- these, these cracks in terms of who we, who we care for. Right. I mean, when it comes to, Oh, well, who has, who, who should be getting the, uh, who should be getting the test? Well, obviously it's our healthcare workers and, but it's also our, our frontline workers, right? Our grocery store clerks and our gas station attendants. And, you know, I mean, but, but here we are, and there's really not a problem for any athlete to get tested and, and they're going to give them tests every other day while they pursue this, uh, pursue these seasons. And I think this kind of, kind of reveals some, uh, some uh, uh, faulty priorities, I guess, if you will, um that are a little bit disconcerting and 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 disappointing um yeah
2: Staley, have you seen the uh those rings that the n b a players are getting? It detects symptoms of the virus three days before you actually have it? Have you seen oh. uh. Uh-huh. like they're giving them to the players in Orlando and so one of the players has already like shown videos of like how it functions and stuff, and I think it's kind of crazy that like these guys are in a bubble, which is safe but you know obviously not perfect but in in its own way it's safe so that they they can avoid any kind of uh contact with the virus but we're not giving that out like you said to these people that are working on the daily so i haven't really thought of that i have i've heard of it but i I didn't think of it right away and you make a really good point i haven't heard of those rings
0: check them out it's crazy I gotta I see this. I thought you were talking about those things where it's like uh, those bracelets where it's like you get too close to another player. If you're not socially distancing, it starts alarming, so you know to back off. It, it,
2: the ring. It looks like something out of Green Lantern. It like starts going crazy. It starts shooting out lights and stuff when, when, uh, when it detects something. It's kind of crazy to think about, but I think it also kind of shows how advanced we are as far as medicine and science that we can even do this considering it wasn't too long ago that um you know we didn't have anything at this disposal we didn't even know this virus was a thing and now we can just detect everything at once so um yeah but anyways if we have enough money for it right you yeah. want if, if you're an nba player i guess you get a first shot at it so they're the test they're the they're the
0: what what's the word i'm looking for the guinea pigs <laughs> Yeah, unfortunately, our priorities are 100% straight here in America. We have everything figured out. Nobody nobody knows better than we do in terms of having our priorities straight. Oh, uh, that's sarcasm. That America, America. Anyway, you know, you can't
2: see a boss, but he's being
0: sarcastic right now. <laughs> Anyways, um, we've got some story time to uh, kind of wrap up here. Uh, Staley, you have the floor. Uh, we've got a, a very, very good story here.
1: Do you want to preface it at all, or am I just jumping right in? Just,
0: just go for it. I'm always, I've always been really bad at writing introductions. I think <laughs> you probably already know. <laughs> uh,
1: so, uh, so my, my my claim to fame uh, is that many, many, many years ago, I played in the Little League World Series, and uh, I always joke that it was. Uh, um, that my life peaked at 12 and it's been downhill since then but uh no it was uh it was it kind of really kind of uh kind of was, it was this peak of of my love for baseball and I continue to love baseball but um but um I don't think I ever loved it more than than that summer and uh so yeah it was the the summer of 91 I was a I was the chubby catcher who couldn't hit and and I barely made the all-star team because I couldn't hit but but no one could catch some of our pitchers and or couldn't catch them as well as I did. Uh, so yeah, we had a, we had a really just a, a powerhouse of a team and our little league as a whole was, was pretty solid. And uh, um, but uh, what what was interesting about that summer is every tournament we played in, uh, we played in uh, district sectional and then divisional is we lost one of our first two games uh, and then had to fight our way through the loser's bracket. And then we would end up facing the team that beat us the first time. And we would have to beat them twice. And each of those three tournaments, we did that. So it was just kind of this incredible kind of underdog story. Um, and then so we won those three tournaments, went went to Western Regionals. Um, let's see, beat a team from Arizona, beat a team from Montana, beat a team from Alaska and then played Hawaii for the, uh, for the, for the right to go to the little league world series and uh, beat them. Uh, uh, not by a whole lot. And I was, you know, the catcher and these guys were like really fast. So I was terrified about, about, you know, bobbling any balls or getting any, you know, how I was going to handle wild pitches. We had a guy who threw like eight, it was the equivalent. Well, he threw 80 miles per hour. Um, which was the equivalent of about hundred miles an hour on the, on the big mound. Um, so he was, he was, and he could be a little bit wild. So he was tough to catch, but uh, somehow managed to, to, to win that game. So yeah, went to the little league world series and uh, ended up uh, beat a team from Florida, beat a team from Ohio, and then uh, beat the team from Staten Island, New York for the national championship. And we, Kind of anticlimactic. We uh, we kind of whooped up on them a little bit and and beat them pretty bad. But that favor was repaid to us when we played Taiwan in the uh, in the World Championship. And the uh, funny thing is, is I think a couple of days before the championship, we were at the Little League uh, Museum. Our team was and and a team from our Little League had gone to the I think the 1978 World Series and lost to Chinese Taipei like ten to nothing. And we're like, well, that's not going to happen to us. No way. No, it didn't happen to us because we lost eleven to nothing. Um, and this is before the skunk rule, so we had to play. We played the whole game, and it was close for the first few innings. Uh, but uh, but gradually, uh, uh, yeah, they 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 really just put a whooping on us. Um, the 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 worst part about the story is the is uh, that about gosh, I think it was like the fourth fourth inning maybe um I had uh long story short I I broke my thumb I broke my thumb I snapped three tendons and three ligaments in my thumb catching that guy started off by like a foul ball got got hit on my thumb and then it just got worse and worse so um so my claim to fame is that for the for the world championship I cried on national tv when I got pulled out of the game um so for a while that was my claim of claim to fame and i don't know if i've told you guys this story but um uh, might have you might have heard it on the uh, one of the sports classes but um but so the next year and actually this was actually an interesting story when it came to like the dynamics of the little league world series and i'll get to that maybe in just a second but but the funny thing about it is the next year you know i was watching the watching the world series and um and they you know they always give the infographics like, oh, here's the rules of Little League, right? You know, the mound is 46 feet and the bases are, you know, 60 feet, six inches, whatever it is. Um, and so they, 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 they pull up the, the graphic on injuries, and it's a picture of me grimacing. And it wasn't even because of my broken thumb. I think I had taken, like, a, a wild pitch and got hit in the shoulder. It looked like that. But, yeah, the graphic was of me grimacing in my catcher's gear and and that that was their association with Little League injuries. So so my fame actually lived on for more than more than 15 minutes and, and crying for that championship game. But but as, so the so the interesting thing about about the about what happened after this is so this is 91. Well 92 rolls around and, and there's a really a really good team from from Long Beach. Um, this is probably way before your time. Uh, and so the team from long beach also lost, um, to, I think it was Chinese Taipei, Taiwan. They were like at, you know, the powerhouse and there was like rumors about, yeah, are they playing kids who are older, you know, are they, are they really verifying their birth certificates? And so, uh, a coach on that team who beat the long beach team got fired for whatever reason, like in the middle of the tournament. So he ratted that team out. Um, And so, so that, that team that won ended up forfeiting Long Beach one. And from then on, from 92 on Chinese Taipei has not been the powerhouse that it once was. And it's really evenly matched between the American teams and the international teams. Whereas, you know, I mean, before that it was Chinese Taipei, Taiwan winning, you know, uh, eight championships for every two for the U S um, so yeah, so ours was like the last year for Chinese Taipei beatdowns. So I we we have that going for us as well. But no, it was, it was fun summer, best best summer of my life. Uh, still think about it uh, fondly and, and joke about it and laugh about it. But uh, yeah, it's about as it's about as good as it gets
2: for a sport.
0: It's a great, it's a great story.
2: It's a great <laughs> story. <laughs> Did uh, did you have any teammates that ended up going to the MLB, or do you, did you play against anyone that, you know, me, we might remember, or...
1: Yeah, Jason Marquis, uh, who you know is a former Cubs pitcher. He was on that Staten Island team that we beat. Um, yeah, uh, I, a couple of my teammates got drafted. Um, I don't think any of them went to the bigs. Um, I think they kind of went around the minors for a little, little bit, but... Um, I mean, another interesting thing about that is within a
0: few years, like almost half the team quit. Hey, everyone, you're listening to Boston Roods. Um, Zoom decided to, uh, you know, leave us on the side for a couple of minutes here, but um, after a brief, brief break, we were able to get back to it. So here's Staley.
1: Yeah, yeah, there's uh... – well, that, that would, I guess be a good stopping point because, uh, yeah, no, there were some guys that uh, that played in the minors for a little while, but uh, uh, but no one uh, no one really no one really went to the bigs or anything beyond that. So we were that that was the moments of glory for most of us, I guess.
0: Oh, <laughs> I mean, oh. <laughs> still a great still a great thing though. I mean that that must have been. Like I mean, I, I'm assuming like because it the locations kept changing for each of those games, right? For uh, for which games? Like leading up to that final. So, in the in the World Series, or yeah, and I guess like the road to the World Series.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, there were yeah, there were games um for a lot, especially for the first couple tournaments, were kind of place throughout throughout the county whatever it may be uh once we got to divisionals it was all of our games got played at, at one park and then obviously from there on it was uh, the same um but yeah no the the traveling i mean we were playing uh, a game basically every other day uh and our parents blessed their hearts just uh just they were along for the ride and 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 we're good about it we'd all jump into you know somebody's van or somebody's uh you know minivan or whatever it may be and and just make the make the hour trip to a lot of places and, and that was where a lot of the memories were were so fun i mean don't, you know the the memories on the on, on the field were great too but you know i mean you got to travel an hour every other day with your friends and one of our friends had a uh, Nintendo hooked up to in his in his dad's van. So we play we play baseball. We play Nintendo games like on the way to the park. And so, yeah, there was a, a lot of a lot of good memories, even with all the traveling.
0: And and I'm assuming that many games as as somebody who's an expert in knee pain, uh, <laughs> my my shredded knees that that just suck. Uh, I'm sure the knees didn't do too well after playing that much baseball.
1: Yeah, no, it was tough. Well, and I and I had a, a like a disease called the uh, Osgood-Schlatter. It's kind of this painful disease where like the 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 bone pulls away from, pull, from the bone that kind of puts stress on the tendons or something like that. So, um, so it was not ideal for for a catcher to have. Um, the good thing is we had a guy who uh, he was a big uh, one of our coaches. He was a dad of one of the guys on our team, and he was like. He was a uh, you know baseball and uh, and and football and basketball player like in college, and um, so he would take me to the pool. Once we got to Western Regionals, he would take me to the pool, and he would make me do all these exercises for my for my knees and for my legs. And I hated it at the time, but they're actually really helpful. The the kind of aquatic exercises to kind of take some of the stress and some of the burden off my knees. So I think that helped quite a bit because that was. Yeah, we I think we played like thirty games that summer. Um wow. all things considered, yeah, which you know that's like you know, July on, so thirty games, you know, was for the for the short amount of time it was. But uh but yeah, that was towards the end of that, so it helped out quite a bit. And so I'll be forever indebted to him. Shout out to Coach Smith.
2: <laughs> Shout out Coach Smith. <laughs> <laughs> a boss, you need to take some of that advice, man, for your knees. Dude, if, if like you could,
0: if you could use a pool and socially distance, I I, I totally would.
2: <laughs> on pool.
0: I don't know when I'm gonna see a pool again. <laughs> I think supposedly right now pools the prices are like skyrocketing because everybody wants a pool. The same way nobody can like adopt a dog anymore because everybody wants a dog. <laughs> there aren't like cats and dogs left. Everybody took them. <laughs> you go to the lake. I'm just gonna jump in. (laughs) Yeah, there you go. Like, what's that weird dude
1: doing out in the doing out in the lake? Oh, he's just doing his knee exercises. No big deal.
2: (laughs) Uh, Staley, when did you when did you finish playing baseball? Did you play up until the end of high school, or did you play college ball? You know
1: what? I actually uh, quit my freshman year of high school. so I had uh, like when I played Pony League, I had developed a really bad case of tendonitis um, in my throwing arm, which was kind of a bit of a problem. Um, and so I took off uh, the year before freshman year, thinking that would be that would be enough uh, to kind of rehabilitate my my arm a little bit. Um, but I played freshman football. Um, I played football for. You know, like eight years growing up, and so I played freshman football and uh, dislocated my shoulder my freshman year, um, and that became a much bigger problem than than the tendonitis. And it started dislocating uh, when I would swing. Luckily, it wasn't my left or it wasn't my throwing shoulder, it was my left shoulder, but it still would dislocate when I when I uh, swung the bat. Um, and then the, of course, the the great irony. Uh, as I quit, and then not long after that, my right shoulder started dislocating, and so now both my shoulders dislocate. Oh my so if there's God. one like good thing, it's like, oh well, I had no future anyway, so I don't feel too bad about quitting. But uh, uh, but yeah, no, fr- it was it was uh, freshman year. I I started. I did tryouts at my high school, and then once the shoulder started dislocating, I just I had to had to hang them up.
2: Man. We are living um, amongst the biggest "what if" in MLB history. <laughs> I mean, just think about it—the catching, the batting, <laughs> Little League World series you were already famous. You had the graphics and everything. It's like Mike <laughs> Trout, Griffey <laughs> Jr., Justin Staley. What could have? Oh my gosh! It's like Derek yeah. Rose all over again. I'm getting
1: <laughs> Giants probably would have drafted me over Posey.
2: Oh yeah. my gosh. You would have been a hometown hero. Yeah, that's right. It's yeah. like it's like or, or 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 the Dodgers could have picked you, and then you would have been like you would have been like Aaron Rodgers, where you resent your hometown <laughs> for the rest of your life,
0: like for not picking you. I feel bad teasing you, but uh, you know, if you were on the Giants, that would have been a, a best case scenario because you're not only are you a Jeff Samarja lookalike, you're also when you don't have long hair, you're a Tim Lincecum look alike. <laughs> so it would have been it would have been, a, <laughs> would have been perfect.
2: Bit of a we, doppelganger. They would have preferred you over Buster Posey, if we're being honest. I mean, can you imagine? Wait, well, let's see. Uh, around what? What would your draft year have been? Uh, well,
1: if I finished, yeah, but uh, ninety-seven. If I ninety-seven, if they drafted me out of high school, two thousand one. If I played in
2: college, you would have played with Barry Bonds. Yeah.
0: Yep. Dude, you would have got a draft. You would have gotten drafted out of high school the year I was born. <laughs> boss, <laughs> a boss, so, so you,
2: I'm a boss. All right, we're, we're joking drafted. around. You went for blood three, right three
0: there. Months later, I get I'm born.
1: You know that's that's why I never give like the year. Everyone's like, well, you know, I never give the year when I went to the world series. Cause it's just, it's too, it's, it pigeonholes me. It's like, Oh shit, that long ago.
0: <laughs> well,
2: in all seriousness, I mean, this has been such a fun episode, some of the great stories. Um, but it, I think we're coming up along that time. So boss, if you want to wrap it up for us in a nice tiny, shiny, shiny, uh, LA Dodgers slash, uh, San
0: Francisco Giants bow for us, please do so. Yeah, sure. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. Uh, Staley, thank you so much for, uh, coming and speaking with us. Um, zoom. I hate you for, uh, for, for really messing us up in the middle there and, uh, and making my job as editor a lot harder. Cause now I have to go in and figure out some creative way to make it sound, uh, you know, half decent break up in the middle. But uh, yeah, Zoom, I hate you. Uh, COVID, I hate you too. (laughs) Because if we were doing it in a studio, at at least it could have been Rudy and me in there and then uh, calling over the phone. And and, you know, over the phone, you don't have these types of issues. So yeah, um, I'm just going to add that to my hate list of the day, Zoom and COVID. Uh, And third, everybody who doesn't wear masks. So Anyways, this has been Boston Roots. Thank you, everyone, for listening, and Staley, once again, thanks for coming on.
1: It is my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It's good good to talk to you guys.